Good morning. Today's reading is from the book of John, chapter 17, verses 1 through 8. You may follow along on pages 6 and 7 in today's worship guide if you wish. This comes immediately after last week's reading in which Jesus tells his disciples he no longer talks to them in figures of speech. He tells them they will find peace in him and should be encouraged because he has conquered the world. And then he prays. When Jesus finished saying these things, he looked up to heaven and said, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son can glorify you. You gave him authority over everyone so that he could give eternal life to everyone you gave him. This is eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. I have glorified you on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I shared with you before the world was created. I have revealed your name to the people you gave me from this world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. This is because I gave them the words that you gave me, and they received them. They truly understood that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. The word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Steve. So as a quick reminder where we've been on our journey in our worship series, we've been talking about key relationships that we should all try to figure out how to maintain. That first one we talked about was our relationship with Jesus to be modern followers of him. We talked about the proximity of our relationship and how Christ wants us to follow him closely. We believe that that has a public and a social implication to it, that as we are representatives of Christ in this world, the closer we are, the closer we can reflect who Christ is for all people. We also talked about the key relationship of friends, good friends that are going to lift you up in your relationship with Christ and with one another in the community of faith and how we should all have really close, good friends. Last week we talked about what it meant to be transparent as well, authentic in our relationship with Christ, to try to accurately reflect who Jesus was and who Jesus should be in this world today, that we, the community of faith, are supposed to be an authentic representation of that. This week we're going to consider what I think is the the more crucial of all of these uh, relationships, and that is the one that we have with the divine, our individual relationships that we have with the divine. When we think about relationships, I think we often think about human to human. That's our context. That's what we think about the most is our interpersonal relationships that we have. But I'm going to suggest to you this morning that for our human relationships to be the best that they can, we should prioritize our relationship with God. Because a healthy relationship with God, I believe, empowers healthier relationships with those around us, our family our spouse, our neighbors, and yes, even our fellow church members, right? My friends, but I don't think that's my opinion on this. I actually believe that that comes from Scripture. I think it comes from the solid advice and counsel of Scripture and from our own Wesleyan tradition, right? Now, let me ask you a question. Has anybody ever said anything to you about the difference between opinion and advice, though? Do you know the difference between an opinion and advice? So an opinion is somebody's perspective of the world, an 
and they offer to you their opinion. And most of the time, our opinions are a little bit different, right? And an opinion is an optional thing. You can either agree with somebody's opinion and how they see the world, or you can disagree with that. And for the most part, you can part ways, even if you don't agree on these things, and still be friends, right? Except maybe in politics. That might be one of those things where your opinions might not be able to. But when you think of advice, when somebody offers you advice, it's their wise counsel on how to proceed into a certain circumstance. They're trying to give you some ideas and good clarity on what you might want to do next. And usually when somebody gives you good advice, they expect that you take their good advice as well, right? They don't offer that freely. They're trying to help you process what's doing next. I think about this when it comes to our children. I've had one of my kids call me recently, and I I try to pay attention to my kids when they call to find out if they're just calling to ask my opinion on something or if they're calling me asking for my advice on something. I know the difference between the two, right? Well, one of my daughters called me recently. She was having an issue with one of her employees at work, and she and I were talking about this, and we were going through the circumstances, and she was laying out, you know, what the situation was, and we talked about her various options, and then she asked me for my advice. And I gave her my advice. And she actually tried to employ some of it. Poor her, right? You know, taking my advice. But she actually tried to use some of that in in her circumstance, and her situation. We walked through that conversation. Now, that was one of those moments where I knew she was asking me for my advice, and I gave her what little I could when it comes to dealing with other persons that you're supervising. But I also know that there's been a few times where I've missed the mark on this as well with one of my daughters. Right? My youngest daughter decided that she was going to switch colleges. Right? And we didn't think that was such a big deal. It's okay to switch colleges. You know, Kids do that. Until she told us that the college she wanted to go to was in Ohio. And then we thought a little bit differently about that because that was also where her fiancé was moving. And so we thought a little bit differently about these circumstances. And we started giving her advice. We don't think that's such a good idea for you to do right now, honey. And we kept giving her advice and giving her advice. She took it as that was our opinion because she moved anyway, right? You know, kind of thing. So sometimes you miss the mark on what you're supposed to give your children in those moments. But if you think about it, that's what we do. That's that's what we try to do as parents. It's what we try to do in our relationships. We're trying to cultivate them to be the best relationship that we can. I did a little research this week on human relationships and advice that was given to help us sponsor and, and be able to promote good, healthy relationships. I thought I'd share with you real quick a little taste of what I uncovered today, right? So here's some relationship for relationships advice for women, right? Here's a guide to love and lasting relationships for women. Find a man who makes you laugh. Find a man who has a good job and can cook. Find a man who is honest, right? That sounds like a good characteristic. Find a man who will pamper you with gifts. Find a man that you can be passionate about, right? And here's the most important of all of these that they said. Make sure these five men never, ever meet. (laughs) Now, here's some relationship advice for men, for us men. Uh, To keep your relationship brimming with love, whenever you are wrong, quickly admit it. Whenever you are right, bite your tongue. Right? And here's another one. 
When you go shopping with your wife in the mall, hold her hand, because if you let go, she's going to start shopping. Holding her hand may look romantic to everybody around you, but in reality, it's all about economics, right? And then men who kiss their wives before they leave the house have a tendency to live longer. So that's a good one as well, right? Two generic ones I thought I'd share with you real quick as well. The best relationship advice is, is that when there's two of you, make sure you're the craziest one of the two. That sounds like good advice. And if you're in a relationship with someone and all they do is make you cry, then you ought to stop. And think about if you're in a relationship with another human being or an onion. Oh, now that's funny. Come on, folks. You didn't get that one? You want me to try that one again? If you're in a relationship with someone and all they do is make you cry, you need to stop and think. Are you in a relationship with a human or an onion? I did not expect you all to be that slow of a crowd. Oh, okay. So, let's think a little bit more seriously, though, about some of the attributes that, in human dynamics, are are good, healthy attributes of a relationship, and what we should carry through those, right? Number one, they say it should never be a deficit-based relationship. It's not like you're people that are coming into this seeking for another person to complement or complete you. Rather, you come into the relationship giving 100% of yourselves to each other, It's not a deficit, but it's coming out of the positive, the fullness of what God has created each of you to be. And you give that fullness to each other in that relationship. It should also inspire you to be the best that you can, each in this relationship. That you're caring for yourself, body, mind, and spirit, so that you can be the best partner for one another. That your relationship isn't about perfection because you're not going to reach perfection yourself and you're not going to get your your partner to be perfect in everything. Rather, it's making your way through the imperfections that you have and being persistent and persevering in the relationship. Being able to master the ability to gather around one another in spite of those imperfections that you have. And then finally, to foster compatibility in your relationship. To try to hold together in these things, to try to figure out how to communicate with one another for healthy resolution, to be resilient, to carry the same values, and to share a like temperament with one another. These kinds of things promote a healthy human relationship with someone else, right? We're thinking about the divine today. And what are the characteristics of this story that will help us understand probably the most important relationship that we should have, and that's the relationship that we have with the divine. A healthy, growing relationship with God, I believe, affects all of our other relationships. I think from the scriptures what we see the most is is this relationship between Jesus the Son and God the Father was his most important relationship. He was attuned to that relationship. He kept maintaining it with the Father in his prayer life and in his communication with God. And he was constantly seeking for God to do the perfect work and will through him as the Son, the representative here on earth. That Jesus was concerned about that relationship, not only for himself, but also for his disciples as well, to teach them, to model, to pray for them in that relationship. 
If you read the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John paints a living picture of this relationship that Jesus has with God the Father. And it's intended to also be a portrait for us to find ourselves in that same picture, developing our relationship with God. Jesus was the manifestation of God's gracious love for every single one of us. For that to be the number one thing that we understand in our relationship with God is is that God's gracious love has become present for every single one of us. God became one of us, flesh, bone, blood. God, through Jesus, came to change the world. You think about this, not by power, politics, or armed revolution. Jesus came to change the world through his teachings, to teach them a better way, a different way of living and interacting with one another. Jesus came to change the world by being on the side of the poor and the oppressed. He healed the sick. He fed the hungry. He caused the blind to see, cast out demons. He raised the dead. Jesus came to show that God was on the side of the oppressed. God's gracious love was for those of us that find ourselves in these marginalized circumstances that life has thrown us a curveball in some way. Jesus changed the world by calling disciples to come and then take up his ministry to continue to express God's gracious love in the world. Jesus prayed that God might glorify him in this work. Use him to the fullest capacity so that Jesus might glorify the Father in return. This understanding of God working through Christ in such a way that the fullness of God's love might be expressed in all of the world. That's what it meant for Jesus to glorify the Father as the Father glorified Christ. That complete work to be demonstrated in such a way that not only the community then would see God's gracious love present, but now us, the modern disciples, might inherit that as well and then become the progenitors of that in the world yet to come to glorify God through our own lives as God glorifies us through his gracious love. Frankly, friends, I, I in my life, I can't imagine a nobler, more worthy pursuit than, than a life that is perfected by God's love, that is growing in God's glorification and love can't think of a better way to do that than through the words and the deeds that God calls me to express and to do. And I believe that's why this is the most important relationship for each one of us, is this is the way in which we make God known in the world around us, to glorify God with our own lives so that God might glorify us, make us perfect in that good Wesleyan language. So what is the most important relationship to you? Let me ask you, what are you doing to make sure it's vibrant, alive, it's growing, it's fulfilling? If it's an important relationship to you, you're putting a lot of time and effort into it. And if your relationship with God is that important to you, what are you doing to make it vibrant, alive, growing, and fulfilling? Are you living in the Spirit? Are you growing in your relationship with God? Are you growing in such a way that your days will some somewhere along the line, glorify who God is as God chooses and seeks to glorify you. What's the journey you are taking today? There's books on the market that you can read that talk about the spiritual disciplines and the spiritual journey and, and how God works through these to be able to perfect us in the Wesleyan language, right? Richard Foster wrote a book titled 12 Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Faith, and he categorized them in three areas of our journey. 
He talks about each one of us taking an inward spiritual journey. And in that inward journey, we meditate, we pray, we fast, and we read Scripture. That cultivates the gracious love of God in each one of us, draws us closer to God's heart. And then it's expressed outwardly through disciplines such as simplicity, solitude, submission, and service. These are some of the outward expressions in the world around us that shows that God's love is in us and that we want to express God's love in the world. But also in the corporate fashion as well, as we gather as a community of faith, we come to confess our sin, we come to worship, we seek guidance, and we come to celebrate God's goodness that's among us as a community. So in these disciplines, we begin to see God's gracious love emerge more and more in our lives, glorifying God through all that we are. Wesley, he was a little more simplistic in his language. If you remember, Wesley also talked about this in a little more succinct way. He talks about the works of piety as part of our Christian journey, for us to be people, again, who pray and meditate, read and study the Scripture, routinely fast, participate in the sacraments, and join together in Christian conferencing and community. For him, that was the internal journey and the communal journey that we all should participate in, that cultivates God's love in us. But he also talks about the works of mercy, the external journey out there, that we seek to be a people who do no harm in the world whatsoever, be agents of God's gracious love in all things, that we seek to do only good works on behalf of others, to be servants of those in the world, and thus to stay in love with God. Think about these ways in which the love of God is cultivated in us. But what I want us to remember most of all is is this is not supposed to be a menu of options in which we pick and choose the ones that we want to focus on and we like best. Rather, it's a holistic discipline that's supposed to lead us into the glorification of God, that God might perfect us, and through our lives, we might glorify God as God glorifies us. So let me ask you a question real quick. What, what are you in love with in this life? What do you ultimately love about this life? What do you believe will bring you to the ultimate eternal satisfaction of this journey that you are taking? What do you desire for your life? And what do you desire for your life with God? Do you desire that God glorify you as you glorify God through all that you do and say? Because when you think about it, relationships, when we think about the human to human, we we know the ways in which we're striving to have better relationships one with another. But I think the most important one for you to have is the one that you have with the divine. And what are you doing for a healthy relationship with God to cultivate that relationship in such a way that it will make for even healthier relationships with those around you? Friends, that could be my opinion. But I don't think so. I think it's the healthy advice of the Scripture. It's the good counsel of God's Word for us. And it's the good counsel of our Wesleyan tradition. So let me ask you a couple of things. As you take time today to commune with God, as you take time to pray, I want to give you a couple of things to think about this morning as well when it comes to your relationship. What are the Wesleyan disciplines that you already practice and you're good at? When you think about the works of piety and the works of mercy, what are the things that you routinely practice that nurture your soul and nurture your relationship with God? And how can you take time this morning to thank God for the spirit that empowers those? To be joyous in that and to celebrate what God's already doing in your life. But also maybe recognize where you're a little short 
on some of your disciplines. And to pray today that God might be with you and empower you as you take up the journey to live that holistic life, the holistic disciplines, knowing that through them God's gracious love will emerge in you and emerge into the world around you. What will you do today to journey into glorifying God so that God might glorify you? Be reminded, friends, that your relationship with God has a direct impact. It has a direct effect on the relationships you have with everyone. So if you seek today to glorify God, I believe God will glorify you and the relationships that you have will be better for it. So today, I invite you to choose to make God a priority, to make God the key relationship in your life to maintain and build upon each and every day for the rest of your life so that God's gracious love might be made known in the world. I'm going to invite you now to join with me in your worship guides. We're going to take a moment now as we prepare our hearts and minds for communion today to share in the affirmation of faith and the singing of the Gloria Patri. So if you would please, I'd invite you to stand. Let's blend our voices together in our affirmation. And now let us blend our voices together saying... I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated, everyone. I invite you to take out your hymnal, and let's turn to page number nine for our liturgy for Holy Communion this morning. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You've delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we join your we join, excuse me. We praise your name and join their unending hymn. 
Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. Your Spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to announce that the time had come when you would save your people. He healed the sick, fed the hungry, and ate with sinners. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church. You've delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. When the Lord Jesus ascended, he promised to be with us always in the power of your word and Holy Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, and broke the bread. He gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the, gift, for, the, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and the blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. And by your Spirit make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God, now and forever. 